What got you there with got you got you What got you there with Shonda Laney got you there with Shonda Laney What got you there with Shonda Laney got you there with Shonda Laney What got you there with Shonda Laney Jay Samet is the independent vice chairman of Deloitte an American digital media innovator he has pioneered advancements in music and video distribution social media and e-commerce he is the author of the best-selling book, Disrupt You, Master Personal Transformation, Seize Opportunity, and Thrive in the Era of Endless Innovation. Samet helped grow pre-IPO companies such as LinkedIn and eBay, held senior management roles at Sony and Universal Studios, pioneered breakthrough advancements in mobile video, internet advertising, e-commerce, social networks, ebooks, and digital music that are used by billions of consumers every day. This episode will certainly have you thinking about the future and how change is happening. Jay, the master of disruption. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, I know you must be pretty exhausted a full week out at CES. Before we get into some of the things that you're currently working on, I want to know, when you first graduated college coming out in that horrible job market, what did you do to really differentiate yourself and end up getting a job? So what I realized is that the societal promise didn't hold up, you know, go to school, get good grades and live happily ever after. And when I got out of school, I suddenly realized you're competing against people that have five, 10, 20 years experience. And when they're not hiring, they're not hiring brand new people. So I was kind of forced into being an entrepreneur. And at that time, my dream was uh, Star Wars had just come out, special effects, Hollywood, how much fun would that be? And there were a couple of basic problems. Um, I wanted to start a special effects company, but I knew nothing about computers, nothing about special effects, and I knew no one in Hollywood. Hmm. So what I did in an era before the internet is I said, what I needed was data. How do I get from where I am to where I want to be? So I ran in the trades in Hollywood Reporter an ad for an entry-level job doing what I wanted to do. And I ran that ad, and it was called a blind ad. It doesn't tell you the company. So I could get data. And the data was I got a whole bunch of resumes. And first, those resumes told me what I would need to have on my resume to get this type of dream job. (laughs) Number two, it identified a whole bunch of people that had one foot out the door of where they were, (laughs) places that I'd like to be. So I knew that if I contacted those companies, I'd have a better shot at finding a job. And that's how I instantly broke in. At the same time... I said, there's got to be a faster way than working your way up the top. The world is changing so fast. Special effects are brand new. Most people don't know where to get them, and next to no one can afford to hire George Lucas and ILM. So I decided I'd set up my own company. It was called Jasmine, J-A-S, J. Allen Samet, and it was mine. But I knew nobody would hire a 21-year-old to do their feature film or their TV show or their uh, commercials. So I didn't make myself head of the company. I spent $1 printed business cards and I went around and I hustled. And that's when I learned the secret to success. The only two things you need to succeed are insight and persistence. Everything else can be hired. So with that business card, I suddenly hustled up a whole bunch of work that I didn't know how to do, but that wasn't a problem. I could then hire the people that knew how to do the work. And I've been doing that for 40 years. I mean, I absolutely love that story, but I would argue that's not a normal thought process. How did you become so creative to to think of that strategy, to post that article in the newspaper, to get those resumes and see what you were competing against? So I believe every problem is solvable 
if you can have the right information. So in the modern age, where everything is one click away, you know, data is your friend. Data never lies to you. Data has no ego. Gather as much as you can in making any decision. So in the book, I talk about the modern version of the same thing that a a young guy in in, uh, New York did that was brilliant. And somebody did this to me recently, uh, which was fun. Uh, He was at the bottom of a giant ad agency, tens of thousands of people. He was doing grunt work. He hated it. And he wanted to work with creative directors. He wanted to go in advertising, do exciting stuff. And he knew it would take him 20 years to even get in the place where he could even participate on those teams. So he was Googling one day and he realized no one was buying the keyword for the names of the biggest creative directors at the biggest agencies. So for an investment, he was much richer than I when I started out, of $9, (laughs) he bought the names of the top five most successful creative directors in all of advertising, knowing that people like that that are going out and giving speeches and doing stuff constantly Google themselves. And when they Googled themselves, so basically said, hey, I'd like to work for you. Click here to see my my, uh, portfolio. He got offers from three of the five. Catapulted his career for a $9 investment. So you say, how do you think different? I wrote Disrupt You to teach people how to disrupt themselves, how to change their thinking, and how to break down every part of business from design and development to sales to marketing, everything. Not in the way the business school teaches you with a bunch of graphs and BS, but the actual way that you rise. I mean, I've done business with the biggest companies in the world. I've been a public CEO. I've raised hundreds of millions of dollars for startups. But it all started with a basic premise of find that insight. And here's the great advantage every listener has today. Our world is changing at a pace like never before. Every day, 100-year-old companies are being disrupted and replaced by something founded by a millennial. Self-made billionaires are happening every month. Now, they don't come from money. They didn't go to special schools. And they have the same 24 hours in a day that you and I do. The difference is how they look at the opportunities of the world, how they look at the obstacles in their lives as opportunities in disguise. And that's all it is. Hmm. I mean, those obstacles, those problems, how does having these problems relate to being an entrepreneur? How can they take advantage of those? So the biggest mistake is people think entrepreneurs sell something. Couldn't be farther than the truth. All that an entrepreneur does is solve problems. Solve for five people, you have friends. Solve for a million, you're a millionaire. Solve for a billion, you change the world. It's that easy. And all of these start with basic insights and basic problems. Oh my God, there's three of us in an apartment. We can't pay our rent in San Francisco. What are we going to do? Rent's due in a couple of days. Wait a second, Macworld's coming to town. All the hotels are full. Maybe we'll just put an ad on Craigslist get some inflatable air mattresses and just crash at my place and save money. And that was how Airbnb was started. (laughs) Some air mattresses because they couldn't pay their rent. Two guys in Tel Aviv were stuck in traffic, angry at the traffic, and they're looking at their phones and go, wait a second, the phone company knows where my phone is. It knows where the phone of the guy next to me is. If it tells him to go left and me to go right, there's no more traffic. That was ways they became a billionaire the first year in business with zero revenues. The reason why people with no revenues can start up a company like an Oculus, like an Instagram, like the things everybody use and sell for so much money is not because they built up this giant business, but they identified the next business and big companies will pay for that advantage. And here's the reason why. When I was 
head of a public company. My life was a hamster wheel of quarterly earnings. What do I have to do to make those numbers for the next quarter to keep the street happy? Which means public companies aren't thinking a year, two years out, what should we be investing in? What should we be developing? All that's been cut to the bone. So when somebody identifies a new business and starts to build it, they'd rather overpay to get in today than spend years building towards that. And you see it again and again and again. So why not look at what's new? What are the new technologies you can apply to the problems you already have and come up with a new solution? Because nobody else has the same problems as you. And before anybody listening goes, well, wait a second, I'm not a technologist. Really? What was the first thing you looked at when you woke up this morning? What's the last thing you put down at night? That supercomputer in your hand connects you to 6 billion people. You're one click away from being a billionaire. Now, you don't know how to write code? Not a problem. That can be hired. Steve Jobs built the largest market cap, most successful tech company in the history of mankind. And he wrote the same amount of code as everybody listening to this podcast. Hmm. I mean, Zero. It, that's unbelievable. I mean, yeah. But it's I, true. Yeah. No, I, I think a lot of the listeners, they thought that was impossible. Um, and having you on helps them see that that there's a way these can be done. And for those listeners, is there anything they can be doing on a day-to-day -day basis for idea generation around solving problems? Sure, so I will guarantee everybody listening that 30 days from today, you will have more deal flow than any of the venture capital firms on Silicon Valley. And here's what you have to do. Today, don't start tomorrow. It's either one day or day one, the choice is yours, start today. Write down three problems in your life. It's easy the first day, traffic, you know, whatever. But as the month goes on, every day you have to write down three problems. And very quickly, you run out of problems. And what you have to do is look at the moment by moment of your life, things that you don't realize are problems because that's the way it's always been. And those are where you start breaking down and seeing new opportunities to do things differently. And when you realize that we're all now connected with smartphones, that we're going into an era where you can have bots that chat back, when you can put sensors that have IoT out there, when you can have machine learning responding and doing stuff, you suddenly have a whole host of the most basic things that can be solved for. And yet no one's built those businesses. Is there anything that you're doing currently to kind of stay on top of those trends? I don't know if it's certain books you're reading, conferences you're going to, anything like that? Um, well, I, I love conferences and I'm a junkie still looking for the end of the internet. I mean, I go down <laughs> rabbit holes to master every, every, Any every subject. Um, not particularly, depends on what topic I'm into, but the, what I've been most passionate about for the past two years is augmented reality is fundamentally going to change our world at a size and scope that most people don't understand. If you could have gotten on the ground floor like I did of the PC, okay, and then of the internet and then of mobile, you can now look backwards and see how those all turned into multi-billion dollar opportunities. Augmented reality is a trillion dollar opportunity. It will change how we work, how we live, how we play. And, and I'll, just, I'll just frame it for you in the most basic. Up until now, Everything that you're doing is trying to search for answers. You Google this, you look up that, whatever it may be. With augmented reality, finally, answers will come to you. So the environment will conspire to make your life easier. And I'll give you 
concrete. Right now, in last year, Americans bought 80 million pairs of glasses that for over $100 a pair that only focus. Let that sink in for a second. Regular eyeglasses, all that they do is focus. But if you could buy a pair of eyeglasses, same weight, same look, same everything, but anytime you looked at a sign, let's say you're traveling in Cambodia, going to Angkor Wat, and it translates every sign into English for you or whatever language you like, would you buy those glasses or the ones that just focus? So it's only going to be one app that gets you hooked. Just as if you look 10 years ago when the smartphone came out, no one knew what those apps should be. One of the top 10 was a fart app. I mean, a a kitten (laughs) game app. What we're now seeing is we can't live without those apps. That's how we do. Now imagine having that in heads up display. You know, where can I find a vegan restaurant? I don't have to search vegan restaurant, type in and everything. I can just look around. My favorite example is a supermarket. A supermarket has 40,000 products, 40,000 SKUs on the shelves. In a typical year, you will buy less than 200 for a family. But to find those 200, you're searching through which one's this one. Now imagine walking in, you just decided that you're going to go to on the Cato diet or the caveman diet or whatever diet you want. And you just say Cato diet. Suddenly, all the products in the store disappear except for the ones that you should eat. Or if you're vegan or if your doctor says you're on diabetes, no more reading labels. The labels already know what the right information is. Your glasses will identify that. So all that is being done today, and this isn't science fiction, this exists. Most of these apps are hold up a tablet, hold up a smartphone, not as intuitive as just walking around with glasses. But what I saw at at CES this year, what I see in the the labs with the clients I'm working with, is the next generation of of heads-up display glasses that are insane. And I uh, had dinner one night with one of the chief scientists of one of the top three largest companies. tech companies in the world that is working on the um, contact lenses. That's, you know, four or five years out, but literally contact lenses that do everything that we're talking about. Do you think mainstream society is going to adopt these things? Only those that use electricity. Um, (laughs) Like I said, if you can have something that solves it, pretend you're a realtor. Right now you could look up on Zillow or other things and have your tablet when you're taking, you know, John and Jane homemaker out to look at houses. But imagine if you could just walk around and floating above every house is the price that they paid, the square footage, every piece of detail. You know, you look at a piece of of, of molding and it tells you what type of molding it is or what type of uh, materials they are. Those are the types of apps that are being developed, um, both AR Kit and AR Core uh, that are out there today. You also have Google Lens. This is just mind-blowing. Instead of searching, Google Lens looks at what you're looking at, the context of where you are, and can piece it together. So you and I are having a nice hike, Sean, through the rainforest of Costa Rica. I get bit by some viper hanging from a a tree. I don't want to look up the Latin name for that. There's only one thing I want to know. And I look at it, and my glasses look at it and say, hey, it's not venomous, or B, Who would you like to call? You have three minutes to live. Those are the types of things that you get when you take augmented reality and artificial intelligence and machine learning and combine them all. So now what problems could you solve in the fast food world? How to assemble a burger in the onboarding, uh, in working in warehouses. So everybody's going to have 
augmented knowledge. And so all you'll have to do is learn the new interface the same way you learned how to use uh, a mouse. I mean, it's just incredibly exciting that the time we're in, the access to different technologies that we get to implement into our own lives, it's so exciting. And I mean, the space I'm in, the podcasting space, is there anything that you would currently be doing to disrupt that? Or is there anything you've seen recently that you think is transforming this space? Oh, absolutely. So here's, here's my basic question. Do you have any doubt that the majority of cars on the road 10 years from now will be self-driving autonomous vehicles? No doubt. Okay. The average person spending four hours a day in a car, they're no longer going to be looking out the windshield, are they? Nope. So what are they going to fill that time with? Consuming different do you, knowledge, content? Right. And it'll be designed by different lens based on the journey and the car will know how long you're going and which pieces to serve up. So making different length content that has visuals, that has different things, that's going to be the new place where media is consumed. Hmm. What are you doing to make sure that you're at the front of that? What, what car makers are you talking to to bundle together the right content so that they don't have to? What's going to be the new CBS or ABC? Those are the opportunities. Notice none of the big boys thought of podcasting and they were late to the game of realizing, wow, everybody on a treadmill and everybody commuting would rather enhance their life. In the book, I talk about my my buddy, uh, I call it Traffic University. He's listened to every audio book, I think, on, on World War II available and is probably one of the foremost experts on it uh, just by putting his time in traffic to use because it was a topic that he was you know, obsessed with. That's fascinating. And you mentioned putting time to use. I'm curious, what's your day usually like? Where are you putting most of your hours? Um, so don't live like I live. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> I don't need a lot of sleep and I don't sleep. So um, I, I try to get, you know, as much knowledge and in, in, into my head and, and me time uh, working in the morning, whether it's uh, writing, uh, you know, I write a column for, for Fortune magazine. And then I have my job as, you know, uh, independent vice chairman at Deloitte. So by the time the day starts with, you know, 200 plus thousand, you know, uh, co-workers around the world, your, your day gets pretty busy. And then I'm on the road. I, I love speaking at conferences, not just to hear myself, but more importantly, to be around the people that are creating our future. As I say, the easiest ways to predict the future is to hang out with the people that are coding it. So when I write predictions for what's going to happen in 2018, it's not because I have some psychic ball. It's because I've met with and know all the major projects coming out from the major brands and, and tech companies around the world. And then I try to look at how those change our world and where would I focus my energies? Where would I start a company today? And as you know from reading the book, you know, this has been a formula that's worked again and again. And here's the secret, folks. You have two choices in your career. Be the best at what you do or the only one doing it. And if you're the only one doing it, by definition, you're the best. Because if you're going to try to go into this marketplace and compete with people on their terms of their job description of what was, there's always somebody that's more qualified. But if you go and master the next thing, I mean, where did social media experts come from? Where did virtual reality experts come from? Where did Bitcoin experts come from? 
They woke up one day and said, I'm going to be an expert. I'm going to put the time and learn and defend my turf once I carve it out and make it into a career. And then make sure to disrupt yourself again because there's always going to be somebody on your tail. You mentioned surrounding yourself with people that are so much smarter than you. And Reed Hastings, who wrote the foreword of your book, I've heard you say he's the smartest person you've ever met. Does that still hold true? Absolutely. And, and I've met a lot of geniuses. Why does he stand out so much further than anyone else? Um, he has the ability to stare at the ceiling and give you the answers of the future. I mean, it is uncanny. Uh, we threw a, a, a lunch for him years ago, um, give him some award from Harvard or something, even though he didn't even go there. <laughs> um, but we dug, he dug out the original business plan for LinkedIn. And if you, and there's, there were 10 key numbers in the business plan, basically the growth of users over five years, so five numbers there, and the revenues over five years, so those 10 numbers. And he was within 10% on each one of those numbers. He was the first money into uh, Facebook. He introduced Peter Thiel to Zuckerberg. He, he, he was the chairman of Zynga. He created Kiva. I mean, the number of things that he's done and spawned with zero ego and just uh, pure uh, intellect is, is phenomenal. And the basic nature of it is he's insatiably curious. We all start curious. I mean, we all learn their language and our environment as little kids by exploring. Somehow our educational systems shut that down and turn learning into something boring and tedious. Couldn't be farther than the truth. Hmm. Get out of your environment, travel, see something different. If you think about all the great inventions in life happen at crossroads between different cultures because it was taking something from A and applying it to B. Inventing a new product isn't so much creating something from a whole cloth from scratch. It's looking at something that was used in one area and applying it somewhere else. As I talk about in the book, Disrupt You, one of the biggest myths is this, you know, that Gutenberg invented the, the printing press. No. What happened was 500 years ago, everybody realized that you could take an olive press, which they put olives in to make olive oil, and make a bigger one and put grapes in it and make wine. Suddenly, everybody was making wine. There was too much wine. All the vintners went out of business. And Gutenberg, with his little hand-carved little letters, is looking out at a pile of used wine presses that you could get for nothing. He says, wait a second. If I put my type into this press, maybe this will work. That's how knowledge transfers. That's how inventions begin. That's how new business ideas. Every one of the high-tech companies that you think of today – your YouTubes, your Instagrams, they all pivoted. They all started as something else. But as they went into the weeds and started playing with it, they came up with something that worked. Today, what got you there is being fueled by Soniva Super Coffee. Soniva provides an organic bottled coffee blended with lactose-free protein and MCTs from coconut oil for all-day energy. Grab a bottle at your local Whole Foods market or use discount code WGYT at drinksupercoffee.com for 20% off your order. As someone who's always looking for ways to improve my mental and physical performance, I started using Four Sigmatic about a year ago and I love their products. At Four Sigmatic, they believe in the real magic of functional mushrooms like reishi, chaga, cordyceps, and lion's mane, as well as other superfoods and adaptogens to help us live healthier, more enhanced lives. Everyone's talking about Four Sigmatic, including Time Magazine, Vogue, Forbes, even the New York Times. My favorite product is their convenient new brain stick pack. 
perfect before a workout or a study session. Their dual mushroom blend supports memory, attention, and brain health. I also have been using their cordyceps before workouts and love the results. I've experienced the benefits of these delicious packets, but now it's time for you to as well. To receive 15% off your order, use discount code WGYT at checkout at foursigmatic.com or by heading to foursigmatic.com forward slash WGYT. Have you come across any young up-and-comers that remind you of Reed? Everybody's their own. Uh, so I never go, Here, here's the next Bill Gates, here's the next Steve Jobs. Everybody's unique. It's, it's just like when I ran record labels, it's not who's the next Beatles. It's, you know, who is the, 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 the current person. But what I do recognize is those people that you know are going to make it. You can sense it instantly. When I, when I sit on boards, when I get involved with startups, it's, it's a certain personality trait that is not going to be stopped. Because at the end of the day, the only person that can stop you from succeeding is you. Are you going to have uh, make mistakes? Yes. Or is your first thing necessarily going to be the right thing? No. But there's a huge difference between failing and failure. Failing is learning what doesn't work. That is the only way to build a business. You're going to fail, 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 fail until you succeed. Failure is throwing in the towel and giving up. You got one shot in life. If you believe you got more shots, then God bless you. You're better off than I am. But I want to make a difference in this life. I got one shot. The purpose of life is to live a life of purpose. What do you want to achieve? How are you going to go get it? And guess what? You're one click away from on LinkedIn from every possible mentor piece of knowledge. So how do you connect the dots? How do you get those people to do it? I mean, I tell the story and disrupt you that I asked one of the richest men in the world to write a letter introducing me to, to one of the other richest men in the world. And I really didn't know either of them, but when <laughs> David Geffen gets in a letter from Bill Gates, he takes the meeting, you know, kind of ballsy to do, but I have a question. If Bill Gates had turned me down, would I have lost anything? No. You know, when I was in college, I went to UCLA beautiful school filled with beautiful women. I was a young guy, just like in love with every woman that walked by. <laughs> if you ask a hundred of them to go out and one says yes and 99 say no, are you a loser? No, you're going out with a beautiful woman. So business is the same way, but don't fall in love with your ideas. Your ideas, by the way, suck. You heard it. Now you thought it'd be Mr. Encouraging. Your idea is a Barely an idea. You got to talk to potential users. You got to ask people why your idea sucks. Because here's the secret. The more iterations you can do between your ears, the less capital you spend. And when you can find an idea that nobody can kill, your zombie idea, then go and start funding it. Have you always been unafraid to fail, even since a child? Or did that come later in life? Oh, um, yeah. I have, uh, I, I really was wired this way. I, I can't put a finger on it, but I don't care what others think. I don't have that, ooh, you know, what are they going to think of me? I think part of it was I ended up going to five schools in five years. So you're starting as the new kid each time. So you can either be the outsider and like, I'm not in the click or this or that and try, try, try. Or you can just show up and do your own thing and if people gravitate towards you, great. And so, yeah, I, I don't understand why people spend 
money they don't have trying to impress people that they don't know who don't care about them. Mm-hmm. When on the other hand, I hang out with, you know, dozens of billionaire friends that if you would see us all sitting around, you'd think we were, you know, just homeless guys at the beach. <laughs> uh, um, there's a meme going around uh, that had a, a, a picture of, of, of Jay-Z when he was young and Jay-Z when he's wealthy and when he's young, he's got all the bling. And when he's wealthy, he's just wearing a t-shirt. Um, you know, what, what does it matter what people think? You know what I want people to think? Wow. He created that. Wow. What a cool app. What a great business. What, you know, what an impact can you have? So, you know, impacting billions of people, the idea that billions of people use things that I created every day, that is humbling and it's addicting. You know, you read the book. So, you know, the things that I invented in my 20s that I thought I'd be known for forever, no one cares because the world keeps on moving. I want to be part of the next great thing. I'm looking at some tremendous uses of blockchain right now that will change the world, some uses of crypto that are changing the world and helping the unbanked of the world. And one of the amazing things of of being part of uh, Deloitte, the world's largest consultancy, is we're solving these huge problems. That's fun. The fact that I get paid millions and millions of dollars, that's nice. But that's not what gets you going. What gets you going is is the challenge. Hmm. Do you seem happier now than you were when you were younger and still trying to establish yourself? That's a good question. So the the pressure before you, you know, have a dime to your name when you're betting your business on your credit cards. Don't do that. That's very foolish. But I did it. <laughs> when, you, when you're looking down at your two sons and you don't know where their next meal is coming from, when the person's coming to repossess your car, I mean, I can't claim that as happy. I can claim as tremendous stress and learning how to deal with stress. But at the same time that I was having those stresses, every milestone that you hit, whether it was raising funds, making your first sale, you know, winning best of CES, whatever it might have been, those highs were off the charts and those kept you going. But that pressure, that pressure is what turns coal into diamonds. That pressure is what makes you not give up and look and try one more time, look at another angle. And, you know, there are some times where that, that, that angle to make it to that next step eludes you. But, you know, bills got to be paid and, you know, clock's ticking and suddenly it just comes, you know. So what's your advice to someone who's currently doing a job they're totally unsatisfied with and and know this isn't for them and they have ideas of trying something different and new? Do you recommend that they stick with their job and and try some things out or they go all in? Well, you got to you got to eat, you got to pay the overhead, okay? So if it's a job that you don't care about and you're not learning from and you're not sticking with and you're going to put in the the 9 to 5, which means you still have 2 thirds of your time every day. Make the most of that. Love that. How many hours are you watching TV? How many hours are you watching a sports game? How many, you know, there's there's a whole, even though, you know, I eventually ended up, you know, running some of the world's, you know, largest uh, record labels. There was the, a time period, a 10 year time period where I couldn't tell you the name of a single act, heard a piece of music or watched a single television show or a single movie. I worked 24 seven and, uh, you know, those are the sacrifices you make. You're going to live a few years of your life the way most people won't 
so that you could spend the rest of your life living the way most people can't. And that's what it comes down to. And if you have a brilliant idea and you really work at it, it'll attract other great minds like moths to a flame. Hmm. And for me, that's the exciting thing. I don't think I've ever in my life had an idea. I've had a half idea. And you surround yourself with those people that can make it better than the half idea that you started with. I mean, you've accomplished some incredible things. Do you have one most memorable day in your career? One most memorable day? Well, there, there's there's those moments. I mean, one, because I remember I sat next to one of my uh, employees that said, remember this moment. This is as good as it's going to get at this company's any he looked at me like I was crazy because it was early on and I was right. But we're sitting in the in the in the back of a 747 plane. The plane is filled with hundreds of journalists, and at the front is Cheryl Crow giving the first concert at 35,000 feet in the air. And that was the culmination of of a whole lot of things to be able to pull off. And it was a PR stunt for launching a a, a new web project. And and the idea that we had pulled it off had gotten through all the FAA craziness, you know, those are great moments, you know, ringing the bell on, on NASDAQ, uh, you know, sitting there, you know, pitching at, at Geffen Records, my, my video game, the first video game that ever had rock and roll music in it, knowing if this doesn't go, I don't have a way to make payroll. If this goes, this will be the best seller of all time. And fun fact, uh, that, that game had Aerosmith and Gun, Guns N' Roses and Peter Gabriel and all the best acts on it. But that changed the way music was used on computers and video games, et cetera. And Aerosmith has made more money in video games than they have from record sales. So, so I mean, the impact you can have, the, the people you get to know, you know, uh, throwing uh, – Big fundraisers tsunami aid after the horrible tsunami, you know, and 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 being able to call up people and call in those favors, they're they're all wonderful. Uh, I can't think of a a bad year. I can't think of a a time that there wasn't something that just made you go, "Wow, I'm so lucky to be a part of this." Oh man, I almost wish we just had all day because I would just love hearing some of the some more of those stories from your career. Uh, a little while ago, you mentioned crypto and blockchain. Can we dive into that a little bit? I'd be so sure. fascinated to get your thoughts around crypto. So, um, talk about memories that you remember. I remember nearly a decade ago, Brock Pierce, who sits on the the board of of uh, Bitcoin sitting me down. I've known him for years from past deals at a, at a Starbucks in Beverly Hills explaining the whole future crypto and i'm like i don't i don't get this i don't get it and that's what that's when it was under a dollar oh yeah um, <laughs> could have had a nice return and, on investment there and every time it, it 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 moved up and up and up i i sent him an email should have listened should have listened to so so i'm not i'm not going but you know around around 2013 this all all made sense to me and the bottom line is 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 this if you think of Bitcoin as DOS, okay, DOS opened up the computer world. DOS got us making everything that we do today. But we really don't use DOS today. So Bitcoin led the way, and now there's a million different, uh, you know, over a thousand uh, altcoins that are out there. Some will work, some will disappear. But just as people talk about the bubble of 2000 in tech, yeah, there were people that came in and pitched me tombstone.com and horsetrader.com and a bunch of other stupid ideas. <laughs> but there was also Sergey, you know, 
launching Google and Jeff launching Amazon and et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, great businesses did grow out of it. So what's going to happen is the following. If most of what we buy and do, if most of where your, your monthly income goes is to digital goods, things that are not physical. So paying off credit card bills, rent, mortgage, insurance, movies, Netflix, et cetera. Wouldn't it make sense that a digital currency starts to come into favor? They can move seamlessly around the world and have a blockchain, a, a recording to make sure that the transaction is real. Um, the largest banks in the world, the six largest banks, have their own cryptocurrency just between them so they can do cross-border settlements instead of taking three days and needing a third party. You have instant trust. So you're going to see specialty versions of currency that make sense for specialty situations. Um, I'll give you an example of one that I'm really impressed with, a company called Quantum. They're, they're not available for investment. Um, but Quantum, uh, Q-U-A-N-T-M. Pretend that you've lived in your house for the past 10 years. Your kid now is ready to go to college. You've got $200,000 in equity in your house and you want to take out 100000 of it. Your only way to get your own money back today is to go in and debt and borrow that money from a bank against your house and pay interest to use the money that you already had. Does that make any sense? Not particularly. No. <laughs> but that's the only choice you have. Yeah. Okay, so what if there was a coin that let you sell the equity that's in your house and they're added to your title and that person then, you know, was giving you that cash. Now you're not paying interest and when your house sells, they get a proportion of your house. Sounds kind of fair to me on both sides. For the person buying it, the coin only goes up in value because real estate goes up in value. But if for some reason they suddenly want to get out of it as opposed to waiting 30 years for you to sell your house and not having any liquidity, by being a coin, it can be traded and sold anytime, any day. So now you've unlocked $13 trillion of equity that's sitting locked on people's homes and mm -hmm. buildings and balance sheets and freed that up. I was chairman of a company that created invented crowdfunding for commercial real estate, the same thing. How do you find other ways that regular people can participate in vesting in buildings without uh, being some giant private equity firm? So we're getting to a flat area, not in the crazy part of flat earth, but everybody having equal access to capital, equal access to technology. What opportunities does that create? Any other technologies or companies in this space that are doing things that are really interesting to you? Oh, yeah. So everybody knows about most businesses are keeping stuff up on the cloud. Mm -hmm. there, there's another altcoin out there that says, wait a second. Everybody has excess computer capacity. And when Napster first came out, Napster was, you know, give us a piece of your hard drive and then everybody can steal music. But what if you let everybody give up their capacity of their computer when they're not using it and use that to store cloud stuff for other people, obviously all secure. And now you can make money on your computer when you're not using it the same way you make money on your, your second home. And when you let put in an Airbnb or an extra bedroom or, you know, any excess capacity. So they're, they're tying together millions and millions of computers to lower the cost of cloud and to allow anybody to make money with their excess capacity. So that's exciting. What uh, company was that? I, I, there's several, so I don't want to endorse gotcha. one or another. There's many people doing great stuff in 
in all the exponentials. So whether it's uh, Internet of Things, uh, blockchain, uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, uh, you can go on and on. This is an amazing time. I'm, I'm speaking at an AI conference, some of the great uses of AI to to solve uh, tons of basic issues. I mean, think of this in medical, and I'm not a bio uh, uh, guy or life sciences guy. There are people that go and their job as radiologists is to look at some scan and guess whether or not that is cancer or not. That guess is the difference between life and death. And in their career, let's say maybe they'll see 2,000 cases, okay? An AI system like Watson has seen every scan, has seen millions of scans, and can with certitude, you know, to 99 point X number of nines afterwards, know whether or not that thing that they're seeing is cancer or not. Isn't that a great use of AI? And the same thing with finding, you know, mistakes on machines and finding impurities in food products and it goes on and on. So Many of these things have been invented, but nobody's figured out the business case to tie them to. And that's where the entrepreneur comes in. Anyone listening can can work with these technologies. You're on the shoulders of giants and you just have to move it an inch to make a billion dollars. When these problems are solved, there's going to be a ton of money out there that's going to have to be reallocated, correct? Yeah, access to capital is never a problem with the business. If you ever hear an entrepreneur go, oh, we're so close to success, but we, we couldn't raise the money, that's the 21st century version of the dog ate my homework, okay? <laughs> you don't have the gatekeepers. When I started, you had to go to banks and you know, banks only lend you money if you don't need it, which I never understood. I've got a million dollars in real estate. Will you lend me $10? Yes. You know, I need $10, no. Um, then you had to go to venture capitalists and you had to really lay out a future and there was a hefty price for that. Now you can go on crowdfunding, right? Now you can launch a white paper and do an ICO and internet coin offering. There are so many opportunities that have democratized access to capital. And by the way, that also means more competition because you're not competing with people from your city and your town you're competing with the entire world. So when I talk about that, you've got to be the best at what you're doing. Notice in the era of the internet, it's a winner take all. Name the second biggest auction company. Name the second biggest online retailer. Name the second biggest uh, Airbnb. You can't. So you got to get out there early, be bold, and capital will never be an issue. I love that approach. And you recently wrote an amazing article. Uh, I want to say it's Fortune. It was on Fortune. My apologies. That's not correct. On the four technology trends for 2018. That's something I'm definitely going to get linked up in the show notes because I want the listeners to read that. But you just got back from CES. What were you most excited about walking around there besides the uh, the power outage? So, yeah, yeah. so years <laughs> ago, I wrote an article saying that in 10 years, driving your car will be illegal. You know, that because humans kill so many people a year, self-driving cars will be not only practical, but they'll make the insurance on human-driven cars so expensive that the only people that we human-driving cars are the same people that ride horses today. You know, the wealthy on their on their you know estates will go and and drive their vintage cars. Um, but I got like fifteen thousand pieces of hate email for that. <laughs> you know, you. 
you will take my steering wheel out of my dead hands. And, <laughs> and I kid you not, it was a piece I did for Wired, if you want to search it. it it's, it's, it's proven very prescient. But what I saw this year, and we all have autonomous vehicles, we all know about that. GM isn't even going to put a steering wheel in their, in their new car. So there's no backup plan. There's no steering wheel. Um, specialty then purpose, single use purpose, delivery vans, delivery vans that make pizzas know and calculate how many minutes that van is to your door and start the oven so the pizza's perfected right at the moment that they come up to your front door. That type of thinking into these things. The idea of the universe conspiring to help was the overall theme in my mind of, of CES. So Internet of Things having various appliances talk to each other in ways that make sense. Um, being able to take care of your own health care by having more access to the data that your body's producing and letting you know things. If your phone or your, you know, Alexa woke up when you woke up this morning and say, good morning, it's Tuesday. You're going to have a heart attack in the next 30 days. Would you listen to that advice? I would think you would. <laughs> Back to machine learning. If they can look at the health patterns and everything of everybody of your weight and age that got your amount of sleep, exercise, calorie input, overweight, they'd know with certainty. Today, the only time you have that conversation is if you're lucky enough to survive the heart attack, your doctor talks to you afterwards and you pretty much pay attention, but you might've had a stroke and lost all kinds of function. So being able to have all this technology be proactive and giving you a higher quality of life, of bringing quality healthcare down so that if you're in charge of it, it takes out the cost of it. It's not other people's time. Those wearables that you're wearing, the let you know how you're stepping and running will also know many other functions of your of of your body and your loved ones you'll know whether grandma took her pill and if she didn't take her pill you can call her and remind her i'm interested was there anything you came across when walking across the floor at ces where you had this had just never even thought or came across your brain before uh, a new technology or just an idea of approaching a certain problem anything like that you came across Ah, there, there's several. That's usually where I, I get them in a room and say, "Okay, you're taking a check. You're <laughs> I'm taking sure. a check. You're taking a check for me. Um, how can I help?" Uh, yeah, I mean that that's kind of fun for me. Every everybody focuses on the big showy booths in the center. If you really want to see the future, go to the periphery. Go to the person that scraped together enough money for a ten by ten. It's a piece of cloth hanging, and spend time talking to them. I was that guy at CS when Paul Allen came to my booth and 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 Bill Gates. I, you know, I remember that you just gotta get in the arena and you know it'll happen from there. What do you do once you're in that arena though? You gotta really go go for it. I mean, that's what I wrote. I wrote Disrupt You to try to aid people on that journey to show them the steps of how to do it and 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 make it less opaque. Um because that may be the only business that you ever take to that level. And I, I think entrepreneurs should be rewarded. If we can just, I'll just end on a, my soapbox. I've been very fortunate. My friends have been fortunate. We weren't smarter. We didn't go to the right schools. We didn't come from the right families, but it's repeatable. And the only way you have democracy is with a strong middle class. And the only people that are creating jobs are entrepreneurs. The Fortune 500 employed 2 million less than they did at the start of the recession. So 
if we want to have a great society, we need to create more entrepreneurs. And so I spend my time on the road around the world trying to teach people how to do this. And if you've made it this far into the, into the interview and you're serious, go to jsamet.com and I will give you for free a 40-page companion workbook to disrupt you that'll help you get the most out of it with exercises. And you can download that, uh, as I said, from jsamet.com and get started today. And if you need that encouragement to keep going, because it's not an easy road, follow me on Twitter and I tweet out motivation and insights and help every day. Wow. Well, Jay Samet, this has been unbelievable. A little peek into the future and finding out how to disrupt everything moving forward. So I cannot thank you enough for joining us on What Got You There. Thank you. As someone who's always looking for ways to improve my mental and physical performance, I started using Four Sigmatic about a year ago, and I love their products. At Four Sigmatic, they believe in the real magic of functional mushrooms like reishi, chaga, cordyceps, and lion's mane, as well as other superfoods and adaptogens to help us live healthier, more enhanced lives. Everyone's talking about Four Sigmatic, including Time Magazine, Vogue, Forbes, even the New York Times. My favorite product is their convenient new Brain Stick Pack. Perfect before a workout or a study session, their dual mushroom blend supports memory attention and brain health. I also have been using their cordyceps before workouts and love the results. I've experienced the benefits of these delicious packets, but now it's time for you to as well. To receive 15% off your order, use discount code WGYT at checkout at foursigmatic.com or by heading to foursigmatic.com forward slash WGYT. If you're looking for a way to stay energized throughout the entire day, grab a bottle of Suniva Super Coffee. Suniva is something I drink on a daily basis. It's an organic bottled coffee blend with lactose-free protein and MCTs from coconut oil, which provides me with clean, all-day energy. Head to your local Whole Foods or use discount code WGYT at drinksupercoffee.com for 20% off your order. Suniva was founded by three college athletes who are brothers and wanted the cleaner way to stay energized throughout the entire day. Let's face it, we all want to look good in the clothes we wear, but I got tired of sifting through the racks looking for a quality pair of jeans that cost less than $300. Then I found Distilled. DSTLD, pronounced Distilled, offers premium denim and essentials at an affordable price. Their products cost just one-third of what other premium brands charge because Distilled refuses to work with middlemen, bringing savings directly to you. Just go to dstld.com right now and use the promo code JOURNEY10 in all caps at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh, what got you there with Shonda Laney? What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh, what got you there with got you, got you? Thanks for listening to another episode of What Got You There. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and also share with your friends. Thanks so much. Looking forward to talking with you next time. If you want to stay up to date on all things I'm working on behind the scenes and everything we've got going on at What Got You There, head over to whatgotyouthere.com. You'll also be able to see more on podcast guests and what they're doing. Thanks to Justin Great for providing us the intro and outro song. If you like his music and want to find out more about what he's working on, head over to justingreat.com.